You have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You gotta touch, you have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta be possessed with the dream. The dream. Yeah. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight from the Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I'm your host on this personal development, personal growth podcast. Listen, if you are new, I just want to welcome you. I want to thank you for being here. If this is your 57th, 80th time tuning in, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back and joining us. We really appreciate you. And listen, guys, just to help generate more awareness of the podcast, if you enjoy this podcast or you derive value from it or you believe anybody else would derive value from it, please, please don't hesitate to share it with them. Share it on your Instagram platform, your your Facebook, Twitter, anything. Link the podcast. Link myself. My Instagram handle is Justin Craig Groth, and I just would be would be very very appreciative of that. So, thank you in advance for that. Listen, we have a special guest as always. She's a great great good friend of mine from back in the day. We've known each other for a long time. Debbie, what's up? Hello. Thank you for being here and thank you for, for, for doing this. And look, um, so there's a lot of stuff that I want to get into with you. You, you've been through the ringer, so to speak. We kind of briefly spoke about this before we jumped on the mic and, and I, I told you that I didn't want to really talk too much. I don't really like to talk too much with my guests before we get on because then it kind of tarnishes what organic, exchange a conversation we could have otherwise so um i want you to just first start off with who you are and a little bit of your background starting from let's say 2019 okay so 2019 uh i'm debbie i've worked in pediatric dentistry for 12 plus years and uh it was a job that kind of just fell into my lap before 2019 I was a party girl um, and I have since then given my life completely back to the Lord uh, I lost my job in 2016 to to back up a job that I was very comfortable with I kind of did a wanderlust thing uh, tried to become a personal trainer failed the test a couple times I think you helped me I remember that yeah you helped me some with that and then I ended up just going back to dentistry because I didn't know what I was doing and then um, January 2020 I was given an offer to go manage another dental office and I really prayed about it and saw after the Lord and I just really felt like he was like yeah take the job so I give my notice January 6, 2020, January 7th, 2020, I find out I have a uterine tumor and I'm going to need a C-section at UCLA. I'm going to lose my insurance from taking the new job January 31st, 2020. Long story short, end up having the C-section down at UCLA January 29th, 2020, released from the hospital January 31st, 2020. So by the grace of God, had that covered um and in between all that i tried to go back to the job i gave notice at because i was unhappy with the other job and they didn't say yes so i now have a c-section no insurance and unemployed and i'm like okay god i swear i was listening to you what is up 
So while on disability, I started walking a couple dogs for some people I knew. And next thing you know, there was God had it all mapped out. He was birthing a dog business out of it. So now I am Debbie Puppins and I do your local dog adventures, dog boarding, dog walks, just the party PG dog girl. And um, it's great. And then uh, that's been pretty much just smooth sailing. And then uh, August 5th, 2021, well, the pandemic and all the drama that goes with that. And then August 5th, 2021, my dad commits suicide by shooting himself. So um, to say who who am I, I am a daughter of the king, Christ. I am a little girl who lost her dad to shooting himself while trying to manage a business um yeah and just really learning to lean into the Lord to find out what his purpose is with everything that he's putting me through or allowing me to go through so I didn't know um I I watch your stories regularly and I didn't know that that's how it happened I knew that you came out later on and said that you know he had committed suicide and I didn't know, um, maybe you had to dispense with how, and I just didn't get that story, but, um, um, I, um, that's so for anybody to, to have to go through something like that, that would make most people question everything, including their God. And I can tell you that I've been a man of faith, What, what, whatever that means. Because it's hard for me to define that. But whatever that means, I've been a man of faith since I was 16 and I was saved. And my friends, shout out to Billy Tatum and his mom, <laughs> Uh, he was my best friend back in the day and I went to church with his mom and, and you know, that's how it happened the first time. And then I got saved, you know, I got baptized like when I was like 30 something or 27 or something. But, you know, I mean, I've known God since then. And even before then I knew that there was a higher source. And when I say higher source, I'm not saying the gods or a, I'm saying God, like, Definitively, God. Right. That's who I believe in. I can tell you that if that were to happen, it would likely shake me to the point where I would question more than I already do. Because I think it's natural as human beings to, especially you get older in life, you question things regardless of experience. But then when you tether experience to the spirituality that you have kind of indoctrinated in you, you begin to question more wisely and more articulate, articulately, you know, you begin, your questions become, become more, um, refined. They're not just like, well, who is God? You start questioning a lot of things and, and they all tether back to God, but it's, but there's so many different branches that we don't understand. And you start thinking, 
Well, I, if I can't use even 20% of my brain, how do I, how do I even fathom who God is or what he's capable of or how this came to existence? I believe in science. I believe in the, you know, eradications of science. I also believe that, you know, in the beginning there was God, but then it's, so I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but that, how did that impart on your decision-making process or questions about who God was, or even if you did, when that happened, like, tell us the first thing that went through your mind when you got the news. When I got the phone call, I just, I, I can't remember exactly the feeling, but like you saw a ghost, just, there's no way that this is real and at this point I didn't know how it happened but my dad did talk about it multiple times prior to taking his life so I am thankful that he shared the things with me that he did because it did prepare me as much as it possibly could have um but you know pulling up to my dad's property and seeing sheriffs and them taking his body and a note taped on the door which I never read to this day I still don't know what it says I have kind of a sum of what it said but he was just letting us know to not go back there and he to call the sheriff and um, just for the listeners to know my dad was permanently disabled for almost my entire life I'm 37 so at least 30 plus years and um, we grew up loving the Lord. We would go to all these Benny Hen healing conferences. And, um, you know, why God didn't choose to heal my dad, I don't know all of it, but I can, for me, <laughs> he didn't heal him for me so that I would be closer to the Lord and I can impact others. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but yeah, pulling up there and just, it just doesn't feel real. It still doesn't. I have my dad's memorial paper in my house. And when I walk by it, sometimes it's still, it's like, what the heck? No, no, it doesn't feel real. And I pull up his text often and they just keep getting further and further away. And it's a very hard thing to, you know, to live with. And I will never be the same, but I am okay because well, first, I've just seen God do so many things prior to this happening, and I can map out with journaling just seeing how he has been protecting me and preparing me since I was young. And, um, you know, my stepmom, I never really was that close with her, and she is a rock in my life now. We can talk about our my dad comfortably and like happy memories every single day I don't have that with anyone else in my family so um I don't know there's just so much that he mapped out um in preparing me for this but yeah that day is a day that will I mean anytime August 5th comes around it's gonna be a terrible day but you know I do have peace knowing that Jesus met him in his 
moments of desperation and hopelessness. My dad loved the Lord with all of his heart. He went to Bible college, just such a good, good person. Why God didn't choose to heal my dad? I mean, of course, as a little girl and an adult not having her dad, I would do anything to have him here, but I have peace knowing that we have eternity together forever and it's going to be you know, not like the world where there's pain and suffering and heartache. So I'm thankful that, um, you know, that my dad, you know, taught me to love the Lord with all my heart, even when I was not following the Lord the way that I should, you know, I still had God in my heart and with me. Was that more of like a, a, you say that you didn't, you weren't following, following God, but you were you're like your conscience of you're conscious of the right thing, yeah, right? Like yes, doing the right thing. Yes, not that I always did the right thing, but none of us. I would, I would still, you know, I always felt felt the presence of the Lord without a doubt, even when I was making wrong or poor choices. Um, you know, having that conviction was was always there, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Do you believe people are born with that, or do you think that's instilled in you at a young age? Um, For me personally, I feel that when I asked Jesus in my heart as a little girl that, you know, nothing can take that away. No amount of sin or poor choices. Um, I I think that, you know, he's just always been with me and I know that he's protected me, you know, when I was party Debbie 5000 and I'm glad that I'm not her anymore. (laughs) I remember those days. You would, you would, on the weekends, you would go down to, to L.A., yeah. And you would go, you would like tell the listeners what you do on Friday it was because it was, you're at the job at your, um, your dentist job, I believe, right? Yeah. I, we worked Monday through Thursday, so I would get off, like try to leave as close to five or before five as possible to get down to LA. And, you know, we, me and my girlfriends would use the promoters to get in and just live it up down there. What I thought was living it up, but, um. Yeah, you you were. I remember you saying one time you had FOMO. Yeah, fear of missing out. Yeah, <laughs> does that still plague you? Uh, to a certain degree, but not in the same way. Um, like if my family was going to Disneyland and I couldn't go because I was working with dogs, I would have FOMO. Yeah, yeah, of course. Everybody, I mean, anybody who's who's anybody who's anybody would have FOMO about not going to Disneyland. Of course, you have to. <laughs> Disneyland is the best. I I love. I've met people that just can't understand my affinity for Disneyland, and I just say, look, it's nostalgic. Because I went there with my family when I was, you know, nine, like nine, 10, 11, 12. Every summer we took a vacation to go. I don't know if it was summer exact, but it was, we took a vacation every year to Disneyland. Stay in Disneyland Hotel and did you know, the whole thing for like three or four days. And it was just so much fun. And it's got a nostalgic remnants to it that I always hold on to. So when I go there now, if I was to ever go there now, I wouldn't just I don't tell anybody this, but I wouldn't just go with anybody. Like I have to go with somebody who's important to me. I don't just go with friends to Disneyland. You know, you have to be important for me to take that venture. Or else I'll go, let's go to Magic Mountain or something. Or let's go to Knott's Berry Farm. I don't care about those places. But Disneyland, there's just something about it. It's and I don't think it's magical, but it's nostalgic and that stuff, like their memories. That, that almost stands still when you go. I mean, not now because it's kind of changed a lot, but there's certain things about Disneyland that are still 
so, you know, have such, such a memorial entangled to them with me. And so that's why I love Disneyland is some people, I can tell when people tell me when they, when they question me about Disneyland, I can say, well, you clearly didn't have a good, <laughs> you didn't have the childhood that I had with going to Disneyland. That's why you don't care about it as much as I do. But, um, but yeah, so, um, so the days of, of party days of Debbie are done. Definitely. And those are things we have to go through. Like, but you get older, you get wiser, you reflect more, you realize where you should be, where you shouldn't be. Some people never grow out of that. Some people do. Some people, it takes like traumatic obstacles rather that they have to navigate in their life for them to overcome not that person anymore or for them to kill that person, so to speak. And that's a good death to have is to kill the person that really was just sitting in idle and not progressing in life. And we've all had our own journey. Like, and that's part of the reason why I wanted you to come on because you have such a journey and you kind of spitfired everything in the beginning and the listeners that don't know you, they don't know that that's who you are, that that's just Debbie and Debbie's just a spitfire, but in a good way, you know, and you're, you want to get it all out and you're just kind of like just, and to some people that's like, it's scripted. It's not scripted. It's just how you are. And I want to go back to that because there's a lot of things that you hit on, but we didn't go into depth because you were just kind of giving us a brief kind of overlay of everything. So the things that are fascinating to me about you are the fact that one, that you have endured a lot in the last couple of years. And I'm not saying that other people haven't endured a lot. I'm not trying to put a pejorative on them. I'm just saying someone I guess is, is close to me in regards of my community, you know, you have gone through so much more than anybody that I know currently through this last couple of years. And it's impacted all of us in different ways, but out of it, you've seen growth, you know, and <laughs> that's kind of a bold word to, to use growth because if anything like that happened to me or anybody else, I would see that as a massive reduction is not growth in the slightest. But I remember in one of your stories, you said, or might've been one of your posts. You said that you don't know what, how to, I'm paraphrasing here. You don't really know what any day holds. You just keep going and you don't know how you're dealing with this. You just keep going like moment by moment, essentially, or hour by hour, day by day. That's really all you can do. I think that's really any, all any of us could hope to do is just taking it day by day because such living with such an, a void in our life like that as to lose somebody that was so dear to us and we loved and, and it's not like a friend. This is a part of your being that you lost. Right. I'm even like my hands are shaking talking about it, but how do you, how do you cope? Well, prayer and just leaning into the Lord with all of my heart and soul, um, journaling things that he's walked me through before and reminding myself of his goodness. Um, for my dad, uh, you know, he never got healed and 
for me, it brings me peace knowing that we serve a God of grace and that he met him in those moments of desperation, even when he did, you know, something that is a sin. We're all sinners. Um, and I, I didn't go through any like anger with the Lord or anything. And it's because I've personally walked through so much myself and I've seen him redeem me. So I know that, you know, he met my dad there with open arms. And that is something that he makes clear to me on the daily. Also for the listeners, I, my dad was my best friend. He was my biggest cheerleader. I would get a dog doodle every single day that he would do on like an iPad or something with some story talking about Debbie Puppins and she's the star of the show and everyone's dogs want to come to her and I just know that God allowed my dad and I to have that relationship so that I would have all of this good stuff to you know to look back on on my phone or you know to think about where if I didn't have a good relationship with my dad and he took his life I don't think that I would be okay and then just to back up a little bit I didn't grow up with my dad in my life constantly um, so I know as an adult that God really healed our relationship because he knew that this was going to come and he knew that it was going to help me so when I just keep thinking about all the little things that such a thoughtful God does for me, that is what makes me be able to cope as well as therapy, journaling, um, you know, talking about good memories, all those things. The first six months, it's been about seven months or so now, the first six months I was haunted by the fact that my dad shot himself. That is a very, very, very hard thing to process and live with um but um yeah God is just really freeing me from that and then also I know that I've always kind of been a loud mouth and I know that this part of my life this chapter you know plays a role with me helping others whether that be you know me having the compassion of seeing a girl crying the other day when I'm hiking and saying hey are you okay can I pray for you if I haven't hadn't walked through the things that I have in my life I wouldn't have that kind of heart I would think I would be colder um, and I am thankful that I went through the party girl days and everything that really just has like led up to this time and I know that God has like I foresee myself writing a book or something just really sharing my testimony my heartaches my struggles um and yeah I mean and he gave me the dogs so that I would have a career that allowed me to grieve so in 2020 when he opened the doors for the dog business it was preparing me for what was to come in 2021 and I can see that now but and same with the tumor and all that but when I was going through it of course if you try to look at it all it's overwhelming it's suffocating Um, but if you just take it moment by moment and day by day and when you're feeling anxious or whatever you know just God I need you and I know that because I use my social media and myself to be a public display of the love of the Lord I know I will constantly be facing maybe more than the average person so that I could continue to glorify his kingdom and that is kind of a scary thing to say out loud to you know just put that out there but 
I know that he'll carry me through whatever it may be. So I'm thankful for that. When you started the dog business, what did that that happen kind of organically, right? Um, yeah, I've been prior to 2020, I've been pet sitting for years. Um, and then I've just, I've, when I got my dog, when I was 22, that was my first dog and kind of taught me a different kind of love than I had ever experienced. Cause I went through a lot of hard things in my childhood. Um, so I just have a really deep connection with dogs because my dog Daisy, who's almost 15 has just taught me this like free love. Like you could go do anything and come home and your dog would love you the exact same. It's such a loyal, confident love that I didn't really um, get the opportunity to experience as a child just because of lots of trauma and drama with my parents and everything else. Um, so yeah, so when the, I can remember the day in March, I think it was, or maybe it was January 2020, walking at a dog that I was pet sitting on my lunch break at the dental office. And I remember feeling like, ah, oh, the sun is shining. What I would do for this to just be my life. And little did I know when I started pet sitting in like 2015 that God was already, you know, building my clientele for a business that I had no clues that was coming. So again, was mapping out and journaling all the little things that God has turned into big things has just been such a blessing. If I had to go to a dental job while grieving the loss of my dad, there's no way. But, you know, I could go walk dogs and cry and they'll lick my tears and just like comfort me in a way that God knew I needed. You have a way with dogs. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating to see. And the, you've always been that way. Like when it comes to animals, like it's not just really dogs. I think it's just animals in general. Don't you have like a soft spot for animals? Yeah, I like animals, but deeper than that, I have a heart that loves to be loved because all growing up, I really had a struggle with feeling like I was loved or I was enough. Um, And so when I was praying that God would show me the deepest desires of my heart, he nailed it, obviously, because he's God. But he I get to use my God given gift every single day. And that is I love to love. And I have used that with people or things that didn't appreciate it or maybe deserve it or a dog rarely is going to turn its back on you. And if it is, I know a couple dog trainers. <laughs> you even go to the extent of allowing these dogs to just like throw, hurl their snot and their, their bodily fluids all over your car. And I've seen some of the pictures of your car from when <laughs> these dogs get done with it. And it's, it's for someone like me who was like a neat freak. It's, Oh my gosh, it's traumatizing. You would die. Oh, I would die. <laughs> And then you had, you have this new car that you bought and same thing. Yeah. Right? Six and a half months. We got 24,000 miles. We got, you know, five dogs going potty in it. Oh. I've been in the car when I'm like, what's that smell? And I look in the rear view mirror and a dog's just dumping in my oh back my seat. Gosh. Uh, but another blessing is I'm type zebra. I tease and say, and Again, there goes our amazing Lord just, you know, using my gifts, even if it's crazy type zebra to 
to, you know, just feed my heart and soul. And, you know, I feel like bless me in return of honoring him. So I'm just, yeah, so thankful. There's certain things you care about and certain things you don't care about. And I guess the interior of your car is one you don't care about. <laughs> no, the exterior either. But I wouldn't have anyone ride in it. Just dogs. Just dogs, right? Yeah. It's just a dog taxi. I mean, who thought of the name Debbie Puppins? Um, well, to be completely honest, I just looked up hashtags like dog walkers and stuff. And there was a dog walker named Mary. And so she was Mary Poppins dog. And then I was just like, oh, Debbie Puppins. That has like a catchy, it does. a it catchy really does. thing to it. And I tease and say like, you know, I'm the Mary Poppins of dogs. Sometimes you have to self-acclaim your, your, your own you know, who, who you are, right? Yeah. For it to catch on, you know? Um, I just, we're kind of going off on, I wouldn't call it facodial topics because they're who you are. I mean, that dog business is, is a part of you. One thing that, one thing that's really interesting to me is, and I've noticed this in my life, and you were talking about this, when you, before something cat almost catastrophic happens in your life, it's like there's a buildup beforehand. It's like it's allowing you to know that this is it's like it's staging you, getting you ready. And there's been certain instances in my life that have occurred where that same thing happens. And it's it's almost as though like you were mentioning that you he your dad would talk about it frequently. And so you were kind of, you were, you were grateful for that in a sense because it got you ready. It was like prepping you. Sometimes you, for myself, I'll say this, I'll think of certain things that are not positive. And it's not because I want to think those things. It's because, let me give you some context. So if something's, if something's going on in my life with, let's say a, a friend of mine, and he's, um, he's in the, let's, this happened recently. When I say recently, like 2000, like, um, 2017, I believe. Let's say he, he has cancer and, but he's showing, he's, he's on the up. He's going, he's scaling, he's getting better. The doctors are saying he's getting better. They removed the tumor, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's something in you that says you're going to probably die. You're probably going to die and you don't want that to be the outcome, but it's like, and it's not like you're telling yourself he's going to die, but you can feel that's a massive possibility and not just because he has cancer, but because there's something that pegs you and it's like telling you, even though this is probably going to happen, this is, this is going to be the outcome. And that is a thing that scares me the most about anything in life. Like if I start having those thoughts and knowing that my track record is fairly, is fairly, um, accurate with how I think that that puts a fear in me and 
I don't want to think those things. I don't want to have those precepts types of thoughts, but it's so hard not to, it's like, it's not like you, your mind goes there on purpose. It's like something is directing its attention to you or got rather gathering your attention and telling you this is going to happen, or this is like a high probability. And it's not you being pessimistic. It's not you being optimistic. It's just you being, and then that is what you hear. And so it scares me when that happens even a little bit today, when I've, when I've been able to hone in on what that possibly is, because I used to think it was just me being pessimistic, but there's other things that have happened after that. And then before that minor in comparison to my friend having cancer and passing, but it's like, I would rather have a blank slate of not blanks. I'd rather have a blank mind when it comes to that. I don't want to know, but then again, maybe that's just the way that God works. Maybe that's just the way, what he, how he chooses to get you prompted and ready. And I guess it is better. I guess it's just like, and and I wanted to touch on something that you said about having basically a light heart that that's hard to do in life. It's hard to have a light heart with people, you know, having compassion for people, especially when you're in a mood or when you're feeling some type of way or when it's just really hard to have a light heart, but that's what God I think calls us to have, right? Yeah. Calls us to have a light heart. And as a man, I will say this, it's really hard for you to find a balance between being masculine and upholding masculinity and having a light heart at the end of the day as well, because that can be viewed as being passive and almost, I don't want to say feminine, but weak. That's hard. It's, it's much easier for a, for a woman to adopt that characteristic, I believe, because you're already a nurturing being. Right. Biologically, we as men, it's hard to, for us to say, to, to give that because it almost comes across as like, we're not hard. We're not, we're, we're weak, almost like we're weak. And that's not the case. But in every instance that I've been through in life, and when I reflect and I realize I fucked up there, it's because I wasn't lighthearted and I wasn't giving I wasn't giving my full attention to the person as I should have because I was wrapped up in emotions. I was wrapped up in the way they were making me feel. If you push me to the edge, like I'm going to be, I'm going to get to a point where I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Just leave. And it's not because I don't care. It's because I don't know what else to say or do. I'm not, I'm not God. I'm, I mean, I'm mortal. I have, I have, I have behaviors. I have, uh, a, I have, um, moods. I have emotions. I, I feel some types of ways, some certain times it depends on how you affect me, but I'm not forever forgiving. I don't just continuously forgive and let you walk over me because then I feel like that's not being a man. I can't allow that. And I don't think that, I think that most men feel that way. 
It's hard to, to find the balance to maintain your masculinity and your toughness and your hardness, but then have a light heart and have um, a sense of absorbency for people, especially when they're fucking walking on you or especially when they're, when they're pushing your buttons. I had that with a past relationship and it's like, you know how to push my buttons. You know what to say and what to do to make me react a certain way. You know what the end outcome is going to be, yet you still do it. And it's not because I don't care, but I end up I end up acting towards that person like I don't care. But I care all the most. I love you, but at the same time, I can't continue to allow you to do that to me, to accuse me, to project your insecurities on me. So I have to push you away. And I don't want to do that, but I don't know any other way. But having a light heart always, always is the saving grace. It's always the answer. Anytime I reflect, it's always the answer. It's like, I'd want you to walk over me if it meant me still maintaining a light heart at the end of the day, but that's easier said than done. It's so much easier said, especially when you're trying to uphold a specific image or your ego gets the best of you. Cause it's really pride and ego at the end of the day for a man. Yeah. And maybe even for women as well. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm I'm on the other end where I'm always, you know, thinking of other people's feelings and, you know, I'm all heart, so I'm I'm on the opposite where I um, you know, maybe sacrifice my own needs regularly to be considerate of other people and that is a very extreme way to live too i'm very emotional um and so that is something that i i'm learning is to guard my heart you know you can still be kind and soft and caring but protect yourself you know so if someone's gonna ask me for a hundred dollars off their pet sitting and they live in the country club even though I'm nice and I'm like oh maybe I can have my assistant do it and then I'll just take my cut but then it's like business is business so I'm I'm the opposite so I think it's um you know being logical but also compassionate and really just not reacting off of emotions or feelings because that's a really dangerous way to live because if I live that way right now you know like for me, I'm super sensitive right now. Like I'm already sensitive and then super, super sensitive. So if someone, you know, you know, triggers something, I have to say, okay, if I didn't just lose my dad, would this still impact me the same way? And most of the time, no. So, um, yeah, I think it's just really being, uh, alert of, you know, what you're going through, um, you know, when you say that someone's like poking you or, you know, doing things, well, how can you guard your heart? Like you can still love them and draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to allow the, your words or your actions to, you know, pierce my heart because I know you're just angry and that's what that is. I think it's best to be vulnerable. Like what, what you, what I just got from what you said right there was you were basically displaying vulnerability verbally. You know, and I think that's the best way to go about situations. And I need to take a page out of that chapter because 
or rather that page out of that book with what you're talking about, because it's really easy for me to just debate and argue and win because I'm very good with my tongue, but that can be a bad thing because ultimately your, your, your words have massive weight and they're very, very strong and depends on how you use them. And if you know how to use your words, they can be worse than fighting with a samurai sword. Yeah, totally. And it's just, but knowing that, I think that's the best way for me to be too. Like it's, it's a constant, I'm constantly evolving or trying to evolve towards that higher mark where I'm just, where I'm more reflective and I, and I think about living in the future in the present where I don't want to say that I don't want to treat you this way. Even if you're pushing me to the point where, and you're knowingly pushing me and you, and you're still like, I, I gotta, I gotta just stop and, and, and drop the fact that I'm a man and I can, I can verbally assassinate you. I don't want to do that because ultimately I'm going to have to live with that. And that's something that I reflect on. And I have in it doesn't, it, it's full, it'll come full circle to you. So even if you do it and you get away with it in that time, I'm a firm believer in, I don't know if you want to call it karma, if you want to call it just energies wrapping around and getting you, you know, <laughs> everything will come back around to you and it'll, it'll come in a different way possibly, but it'll come. And it's always best to live. In, and this is something that's, I'm trying, I, I try my best to, to live this way. It's hard being a human, living in the real world, living around snakes and people that don't have your best interest at heart and guarding, like you're saying, guarding your heart. Try to live in a vulnerable, transparent way that even if you get stabbed a million times, as long as you're still living, you're fine. And it's going to just know that it's going to, what I mean by that people is that if you, if you have somebody that walks on you or walks over you and constantly is just verbally combative and doesn't build you up, you don't have to, you don't have to fight against them. You can walk away. You can choose to take a different path, which really means you isolating yourself from them and know that you are clean as a result, that you don't have any of that on your conscience or on your heart anything that you dispense with that was, that would probably be wanting to take, you would want to take back as, as, a as, as, uh, you know, the, I just, I guess it's better to, to remain clean in all regards because I've done the dirty. I've done dirty stuff in my life. When I say dirt, I mean like the dirty shit that I've done is I've cheated on girlfriends and I haven't, by the way, haven't cheated on a girlfriend since, I don't know, like my mid twenties, but it was when I cheated on the last time I've realized how it hurt her so much because this girl like loved me and I don't know, I don't even know how you could have loved me with what I was giving you, but you did. And so that was something that was so profound to me and that even though I didn't notice it in the time, I can see how it broke her afterward. And that was, from that point on, I realized I'm never going to do this again. I can't. It's so wrong. 
And even if you get away with cheating, it's you're never going to get away from it. It's always going to come back at you. It's always, even if that woman doesn't cheat on you or another woman doesn't cheat on you, you will get what's coming to you in another format. The best thing to do is remain clean, not only verbally, but actively with the way you move in life, with business, with, with relationships, with anything. It's harder. And the, and when I say it's harder, it's because temptation is always on the table. And that's something that we all, we all have to deal with in life. The temptation, the possibility that we could get away with this or we could get, we could, I could, for example, for yourself, people at the country club, they don't know my rates. Let's just say they don't. I could charge more money because I know that they drive this and they live in this house but that's integrity. That's ethics. That boils down to integrity and ethics. Because what if a person at the country club talks to one of your people in your apartments that you house sit for or your dog sit for? And they re- and they see, oh, well, I only get charged this. Why is she charging me this? And then it comes back to you. It's always good to remain constant. Uh, it's, it's always, it's like it should be the only way to be. But because we live in this world that's very, very, very polarizing and very temptation ridden it's a testament to your character if you can say no to those things it's a testament to your character if you can uphold your moral landscape and your integrity and your ethics no matter where you are no matter what comes upon you that includes contention with others It's just, and when you do slip up, then you just apologize and then make effort to make a better decision next time because we're all going to mess up eventually a time or two. <laughs> like 150 million. Right. <laughs> it's, oh man. I could exhaust this topic. Because it's just so, it's so plaguing for me and I, I'm sure others, but I don't want to group myself in with anybody else because I'll put the onus on myself. It's just, it's, it's tough, man. You get wrapped up in a, in a, in a rhythm in your life, you know, you, you facilitate one of the specific rhythm, you know, and you you almost you don't feel breakable, but you know, you're breakable. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is that. And I'm continuously acknowledging is that I'm breakable. There's nothing that's going to last forever. And there's nothing that's going to be able to not take me out. There's some, even the rock. You know, this guy is larger than life. He's breakable. And I don't mean breakable from the physical aspect. I mean mentally. Mentally will break you down physically without a shadow of a doubt. Easy, right? You've experienced that. It's like the mental break is something that we're all, we're all, going to experience not only that but we're all we're all like 
kind of waiting for. Yeah. It's just almost inevitable. It's just how are you going to get broken? It's funny when I watch these guys walk in the gym and they, they almost act as if there's a, a theme song playing in the background and they got their stunner shades on and they're acting like they're in a movie set. And I'm just like, I understand mindset walking in the gym on a specific task. You want to train hard, blah, blah, blah. But it's like these types of people. And I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of acting the same way. I don't walk into places with glasses on. I don't walk into establishments with my sunglasses on, but it's like these people and myself included, it's almost like we don't realize that we could be broke in a matter of seconds. And this facade that we put up for everybody else can easily be withered away in a matter of seconds. And it's just, it's humbling because we're all, we can all experience this and we're going, like you said, we're going to, it's just how much and to what extent, but we're all breakable and that, but if you live with that mindset every day, like going to target, running your errands, going to work, if you live with like, well, I, I, I could be broken easy. That's almost like a defeated mindset to adopt, even though it's reality. So how do we combat that? We just have to walk upright. We have to walk um, in a way that is confident. But that almost can be inauthentic and almost like artificial to some degree. Because it's not reality. Reality is we could be broke by the eat by the simplest and smallest of things. A word can break us, some people. The loss of somebody, a loss of an animal could break us. Finding that balance is tough too. Because I want to live like I'm, I can be broken because that, I feel like that's the most humble way to live. But the moment a, a, a night, a, a dope song comes on and I get feeling myself and I just like think, I get wrapped up in that and the vibrations that come along with the song. And I just think, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not even now that's an afterthought being broken is an afterthought. But then when you realize you can be, that just, it settles you into reality where you should be. But then how do you, how do you live life in that almost like a, a, a meta defeated state? For me, I like to live my life just reminding myself what my purpose is. And my purpose is to um, glorify the Lord. And with that, that's being thoughtful and considerate of other people. So if someone, when I say hi, when I'm walking dogs and they don't even crack a smile or acknowledge my hello, it would be very easy to be cold and be like, I'm just not going to say hi to people anymore. But I'm like, okay, I say hi 10 times a day and maybe seven people say hi back. Well, hopefully those other three, you know, it, they were like, Hey, that girl was nice. She said, hi, maybe I should be a little nicer next time. And I think where the world starts to get ugly is when we get hurt and we allow that to consume us 
or change us for the worse. So yes, I have a broken heart and I miss my dad, but, and I hesitated, you know, publicly saying that my dad took his life just for protection of other family members and being considerate of them. But then I was like, hey, if I post it and it impacts one person for the better, then it's worth it. And I think, you know, when we put our pride and ego aside and we're humble and also transparent and vulnerable, we can impact people. Like even if it's on Instagram stories and you think no one's watching, it could radically impact one person. And if everyone started turning their cheek when someone wasn't nice or didn't smile back, that's how this world just continues to get ugly. And right now we're knees deep and crazy in the world. And I think, you know, every person doing a small act of kindness or, you know, when I saw the girl on the hike crying, stopping and asking how she was, even though I'm thinking about the other 15 dogs I still have to go get in my day, but making a point to make time for her. I think that's how the world just continues to be okay. Yeah, it's a, I don't, I don't mean to put a pejorative on it, but it's almost like good vibrations, you know, or sound cliche or anything, but it's like good vibrations. And I'm not, I'm not usually one to use that word, excuse me, vibrations, but it's how else do you describe it? It's just you, you're sending out or you, you're really emitting an, uh, an energy, a specific kind of energy that's good in nature and then it transfers to that person and then it bounces from that person to another person so i mean that's that's accurate like but if everybody is the exact opposite and they're all for themselves fending for themselves and not helping and which we're all guilty of doing at times right like some more than others but we can put a cap on it to some degree you know, if we, if we internally reflect more often and we realize that we're just human beings that are easily broken, we can, we can eradicate a lot of the, the pompous thoughts about ourselves that we might have. And that could put a realization in a sense, in a sense around us as who we are, not like a fake facodial pompous bravado that we want people to see and I'm guilty of that so not only the internal reflection but having an understanding that being clean at the end of the day and having a light heart and not always contending with things in a way that you feel like even if you know you could Sometimes it's best to walk away, even though that's not the seemingly strongest thing to do. It's the best thing because you you eradicate the possibility of possibly tarnishing a relationship, tarnishing somebody's psyche with your words, and you never know the impact of that what that could have, right? Or the outcome rather. And the thing I love about you the most. Apart from you, your your affinity for dogs, because it's crazy. I mean, people don't understand your affinity for dogs. One, when you started this business, 
I mean, it's just, it's the perfect thing for you. And I could see this thing going miles high. And I don't mean to say that because you're my friend. I really mean that. That could, this thing could go miles high. You could, you could be doing something to where one day, or you're doing something rather, you could build something one day where you're on Shark Tank asking for an investment. I mean, it could get to that point. Or you may not even need the sharks. You become your own shark. I mean, I could see it getting to that point because you have such an involved passion for what you do. But passion is the wrong word because passion is used too widely for too many different things with people that aren't that passionate. You are just immersed in what you're doing. And it shows in the way that you treat the dogs. It shows in your in, in everything you do and everything you really just perpetuate with your entire business model. You don't even have to try. You do it with no effort because it's who you are and it's what you love. And if more people did that for fear of not going down the path that their parents want them to go down or what their friends say they should do and they just listen to their own gut, they'd be so much better off and they'd be happier people. Look at you. You're a massive testimony of this. You got involved in this and this craft of walking dogs and made it a business and it survived you through tumultuous times in your life. You just said yourself, you don't know if you would, I don't know, paraphrase, this is like 30 minutes ago, but you said basically, I don't know what I would do if I was working at that job, the dentist job, and this happened, my father passing. If more people found what they did with little to no effort and they did it very well, they would view life differently and anything that combated them in the process, it would almost be like, it would almost be their shield against, they would have their armor suited up, so to speak. You had your armor on when that happened, when that tragic time happened, you had your armor on, you were doing, you were providing something to not only the community that gave that, that was meaningful, but it was meaning for you. It was very meaningful for you to do this specific thing. And because it gave you meaning, it gave you a sense of purpose in the world to where that was, was able to again, survive you through the, the trying times that came. I want more people to, I want more people to understand that because right now a lot of people listening are just working nine to fives and they're on autopilot every day and they don't understand what life could be because they're scared to venture outside of the box because outside is not secured and it's not, it's not certain. Yeah. And so you derived a lot of that from your faith and where God is calling you to go. And he's saying, go here. A lot of times we get that message. We get it 2,700 times, but we never listen. And it gets lost in translation with all our other thoughts and all the other things that are going on the day that we can't really, it's foggy. That, that, that thing that he says is foggy. We can't really know what he's saying. And it's, it's, it's 
bombarded by all these other thoughts that it doesn't even get the critical acclaim that it deserves. So then we just forget about it. Or we actually, we didn't hear it. It's no big deal. You don't listen. We just have to listen. And that's what you did. And something that was so to some people that would think that's just a hobby. It's not a hobby. I mean, it is, but it's so much more to that. There's so much more promise in your hobby because you went on a ledge and you did it and you, you just went into what, what builds a thrive within you. Like dogs allow you to thrive. I see you with <laughs> walking the dogs that you do. You're a different person. I mean, you're the same, but you're different. It's like you have a reward. It's like you're, you're, you're on a dopamine high. Anytime you're walking dogs. To some people, they would look at it as a chore. Yeah, picking that's, up poop all day. <laughs> right. And that's why people hire you because they don't want the chore of walking their dog, you know? But I think that's just so astounding that you, and it just speaks to who you are. And that's the reason why I wanted you to talk on this podcast because it's so relatable to so many other people. Because they're, they're like you were at 22. Having FOMO, partying it up, not having any kind of real trajectory or real rather focus or aim in their life. And I guess God has a, a I don't guess God has a, a journey for them to go through and he has a, he has a meaning for their existence and he has a pathway to lead them. But things could have been drastically different for you if you didn't listen. Yeah. It did take me a while, but yes. <laughs> You're just, um, I don't think many people, maybe your friends and family do, your close friends and family do, but there's uh, so much hope entangled in your being and who you are, what you, what you emit to the public. You've been through a lot and you've been through more than you've dispensed with on this podcast, but you're, you're just you're, you're a center point for what people should do when they don't know what to do. You have, you've, you've been through things that other people would just would have nightmares about and you've came out and then you have this, you went down a, a path that, that gave you purpose and meaning and you didn't care about what it looked like. You didn't care about if it made you money or not. I mean, obviously you wanted to make money. But you didn't, that wasn't in the, I would imagine that would presuppose it wasn't in the, in the forefront. No. Walking away from a consistent paycheck for a what if was really scary. And I didn't make the leap of faith on my own. I feel like with the job transition and the tumor, God kind of just gave me the shove that I needed to go forward because I was drenched in fear that I, I grew up just kind of with a, a fearful mom. So I have lived fearful. So I think with all the events that have and circumstances that have happened, God just continued to close doors where they needed to be closed and open them and sometimes give me a little U-turn or whatever it is. And 
it's not like oh I love God and life is just going to be easy now no the the obstacles are going to keep coming but it's just remembering that he's an overcomer and he allows you to be an overcomer and so for me really reflecting on all those twists and turns that have happened before when I've been like oh crap and then it turned into a hallelujah and just remember like he is faithful and he's walked you through the loss of your dad he's walked you through a a tumor a job loss and so much more and just remembering that 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 gives me the hope the peace the courage the boldness to keep moving forward and I just hope that I can project that on other people you definitely do you definitely do. You do it to me and I'm, I know you do to your followers and to anybody else who knows you personally or even through media. That's an hour. Didn't even feel like an hour, huh? No. <laughs> Debbie, I want, I want people to reach out to you if they feel compelled to do so. So once you tell them how to get a hold of you. Uh, I am Debbie Puppins. That is my Instagram handle. Or if you want me on a more personal level i am deborunsky that is d-e-b-b-e-r-o-o-n-s-k-i and that was my dad's childhood pet name for me and uh little did i know it would have the sentiment that it has now and um i'm so thankful i'm thankful for you being here i'm thankful for you speaking on the podcast i appreciate your time Thanks, Debbie. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. And let me know when you want another uh, cheat meal Wednesday. We'll do it. (laughs) Done.